Welcome, friends, to Game Master's Studio, where we talk shop about running tabletop role-playing games. With us today is Jared and Ed, with your host, Jerry. Hello, and welcome to Game Master's Studio, where we'll be talking tabletop role-playing games, tips and tricks that you can use to help bring your game at home up to the next level. Today, we're going to be talking about building and implementing puzzles into your games, uh, how to put them together and how to use them to break up the monotony of endless hack and slash and add a little more depth to uh, your encounters. Hmm. My name is Jerry, a.k.a. Frieden, host and moderator for the show. With me in the studio as well hmm. is Jared, a.k.a. DMF, proprietor of Mad Doc Designs, huh. creator of the World of Wrath and semi-professional DM, Damn. and hmm. Ed. Hmm. Ed, what are you doing? Oh, uh... I found this really strange sort of coin roll. I was going to put some pennies in it, but I can't get my fingers out. I don't know. That's a Chinese finger trap. So it's not a coin roll? We'll get you some scissors later. All right. <laughs> Safety scissors. <laughs> so today we're talking about uh, puzzles. Implementing them, putting them in, building them. And how you can use them to spice up your games. Yes. Uh, we do have a few things that we kind of touched on in earlier episodes that we want to make sure just as general overarching concepts for puzzles. Uh, the two big ones being you want to avoid having a single answer. Right. Um, because if the players come up with something that is not what you expected but completely fits um, and you just say no, you risk frustrating them just because they can't figure out the exact uh, combination or the exact specific phrasing that you were looking for can wind up making them feel like they're not really advancing or doing anything. Uh, this used to be a bit of a problem in the old uh, adventure video games where you have like point and click and collect the information. And they used to, they used to actually call it pixel bitching because you had to click on the exact pixel that you're supposed to to solve the puzzle and winds right. up being just an agent of frustration. Um, so you want to be a little more flexible on that. Uh, and the other one that's been brought up when talking about any sort of riddle puzzle mystery is to provide more clues than necessary. Uh, yeah. If you think the players are going to need three clues to figure it out, you should have eight to nine available for them to find uh, so that they can piece them all together. Yeah, that's super important because the problem is, even though it might seem obvious to you as the GM, because you're placing those those clues or those uh, little incentives and hints, it's not always as obvious to the players. Uh, so it's really important to have at least two or three for every one you think you need. Uh, you know, it can be the same piece of information that you're going to give them, but just have different places that they can find it. Uh, or, you know, or different variations of a similar hint to make sure that they're picking up on it. Depends on exactly what you're trying to accomplish, you know, what, what you're trying to hint at if it's a puzzle or, you know, again, you can use the same kind of concept for, you know, like murder mysteries or mur uh, mysteries in general. Yeah, uh, just remember, like, just because something's obvious to you doesn't mean it's obvious to everyone else at the table. Sometimes they'll pick things up way fast and then, you know, you don't need to throw in all the extra ones. But, the tr you know, if you want them to accomplish your find three clues, just make sure that there's nine locations where you can put them. Doesn't mean all nine have to be there. Just make sure you have spots prepared to put, you know, for them to find it. So that way, if they miss the first one or two, there's still six or seven other spots that they might pick them up. 
they can supply them with what they may have missed. Right. And they're not going to know because they don't know where it was supposed to be in the first place. Exactly. Um, so with, with, with those general concepts in mind, uh, let's talk a little bit about different types of puzzles that wind up going in. Um, first being the classic riddle puzzle. Um, this could be anything from, you know, the classic Sphinx Guardian. Here's the riddle. None may pass till it's presented. Uh, it can also be inscriptions or prophecies, you know, clues that in order to advance, you must do this at this point and they need to figure it out. Um, there's plenty of sources for riddles available. Uh, you can look online. You can obviously pull from famous literature. You know, the Sphinx was originally in Greek mythology with, uh, I believe, Oedipus. Um, and you can also, you can make them up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I had to make up a riddle for the game I ran at PortCon uh, to get everyone. Essentially, it was a combination to a trap, that sort of thing. But yeah, I just kind of decided what I wanted the answer to be and just went off the back top of my head. I have I have a set of riddles that I've designed for a game and it hasn't come up yet. So just in case my players start listening, I don't want to go into too much detail. Um, but Hold I just, on, let me get my notebook. Uh, you're not in the game, so. Uh, I might be, Jerry. <laughs> so I also, you know, I started with, okay, what do I kind of want the answer to be? And how to work backwards from there, implementing, you know, a bit of a rhyming scheme. Mm-hmm. So I have those available. Um, I took a little inspiration from online, but I also tweaked them a little bit. Because, oh, this riddle looks really close. It's got the same answer I want, but I want to change some of the wording. Right. uh, To kind of fit my world, fit my game. Um, We have the combo puzzle, which the classic version, uh, or at least when we first brought it up, my mind immediately went to the classic version of matching this to that. Right. You're given four options and four buttons, you know, which buttons do you push or gems and, and tomes or, yeah. Or, or like in, uh, like in Skyrim where they had the, uh, uh, the little pillars that had the animal inscriptions on them and you had to line up the right ones for you pulled the lever. Right. Yeah. Any sort of, any sort of find the right set or the right order, I think kind of falls into the, to the combination so you don't try to jam the square block into the, the round hole? Well, if you're the half-orc barbarian, maybe. Okay. How's it be a half-orc? Because I'm racist. Okay. And they're they're uh, mechanically optimized. This is true. Which is also why I played a jungle elf barbarian when I had the chance. <laughs> um, I had the scavenger hunt. Yes. Ed, you were talking about the scavenger hunt for your Porkon game. You want to talk about? Uh... Yeah, actually, the so the the puzzle or riddle portion of the game uh, was it took up uh, a good chunk of the game. Um, and it started with the uh, they got a riddle that led them to an area. So every time they would get to that new area, they would have to find the next clue which gave them another riddle, lead them to another area. Yep. So that was sort of a scavenger hunt. You can do that a couple different ways. You can have clues waiting for them about the next clue. Uh, you could have like maybe pieces of uh, some sort of um, device 
or ingredients to a magical item, or maybe it's just parts to a key. Maybe there's a, a, a multiple part key. But the idea is they have to find all of these things. And, you know, everyone really knows what a scavenger hunt is. You get kind of a vague clue as to where it might be. You go down, you check it out, and then maybe you find what you're looking for. And that can help you lead to other portions of your puzzle. So it can be something that they need to do to accomplish a further task uh, or not. It could just be the they just happen upon a scavenger hunt. And that's that's that is the puzzle. Excellent. You actually gave me some ideas for my upcoming game as well. The one you're not in. But I could be. Um, we also, Jared brought up uh, actual physical puzzle props. Yep. Um, we've, re- we've referenced props before in a previous episode, but uh, you want to talk a little bit about uh, using those in a game? Uh, yeah, there's a lot of options out there for those of you that have a few bucks and are willing to spend a few bucks uh you can get uh 3d puzzles as a thing you can go to walmart or go on amazon or go online and i'm sure there's lots of other places that are available uh they actually have like little 3d puzzles in a variety of different shapes like i got a little crystal skull one that i used in a game uh, as a prop prop not as a puzzle prop per se um, but it would have been a heck of a, a puzzle prop to use because I couldn't put it together. <laughs> was it, yeah, I was going to say, wasn't it a few thousand pieces? Uh, it was like 50 pieces, but Jerry had to put it together for me. Oh. Like, even every, time he, I, every time I hear the story, I feel like there's so many pieces to yeah, it. Yeah, I think it was about My head pieces. goes to a thousand. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, just using these little three-dimensional pieces. And even with the instructions right there, like I just couldn't get it together because I ended up mismatching or switching two pieces that looked similar according to the 2D drawing of the 3D piece. Yeah. Um, but there's lots of different puzzle boxes. I actually, uh, not everyone might realize this, but I actually bought a couple other puzzle boxes a couple of years ago now that are just sitting in a drawer waiting for me to pull them out and use them that I haven't actually used in any games yet. Um, where you have to, I mean, there's different kinds of puzzle boxes, but one of the ones I have has like a few different nubs, uh, like little block nubs on the side. And you have to get, basically it's a little like wooden combination lock. Oh, yeah? Like you have to arrange the, the the nubs on each side into a specific depth of, you know, being pushed in or out of the box before the lid will pop off. Um, so there's lots of different things like that. I mean, I think uh, the puzzle box might have been like $15-ish on Amazon. So, I mean, it's a, it's you're spending a little bit of money. You can always make your own kind of like uh, puzzle uh, boxes and stuff like that if you're crafty. I'm sure there's plenty of places online that will give you instructions on how to make things like that. But yeah, if you have a few dollars and you're willing to spend, like it gives the players a prop, and then they're actually at your table trying to figure out this puzzle physically as a player, and it's kind of a nice little uh, again, it's a break to the monotony instead of like hey, let's sit here and roll dice and do another combat again that it's going to last another hour. Let's spend twenty minutes trying to figure out this puzzle with yeah. you know you know putting all our brains together. How do we do this? How do we open it? It's a nice immersion piece. Yeah, uh, exactly. You do have to be careful of those. I believe there's at least one puzzle box out there that actually just opens a gateway to hell. You probably don't want to hand that to your players. Yes. Yeah. For it is not hands that summon us, but desires. Uh, Logic puzzles. This is actually one of of the ones that I really like to do, um, where you're presenting your players with a series of clues so they have to figure out what actually went on. You know, sometimes it's a little mini mystery. Sometimes it's like along the lines... Um, cause they actually had it, I believe it was in the 
fourth edition Dungeon Master's Guide, where they talked about creating logic puzzles, and it was like, the three sons of the Dwarven King are buried here. One was a traitor, one was a paladin. You know, these are the swords, and you need to figure out from the clues, you know, which son is buried with which sword by which profession so that we know which tomb we have to open because if we open the right one and get the right sword that's what we need to advance the plot and if we open the wrong one then a curse befalls us Mm. so you present your players with clues so that they can figure out and eliminate options and eventually figure out what they need to do Um, there's obviously a lot of instructions online for figuring out how to create those and different options they're pretty easy to actually implement put together and then can give your players a nice little break. Yeah, also for uh, like logic style kind of puzzles, you can again kind of bring props to the table. Like you can get like printouts of different sort of uh, like um, like uh, mazes, word scrambles, stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like uh, uh, like almost like a crossword kind of thing. Like you can just use like just physical two D printed. Uh, puzzle pieces that you would find in like, you know, the newspaper or find even in just like a, you know, a 2d puzzle book, just make some copies of that or print them off the internet and then present them to your players. I've done that at a few games. Uh, Jerry's been in several of them where it's just like, Hey, here's a handout to everyone or some Sudoku, <laughs> right? You know, and just, here you go, figure it out. When, uh, when you figure it out, let me know. And then that's, you- that's like Matt, actually mass effect four, which I've been playing that, uh, it's almost, it's basically Sudoku. You have to, uh, there's just, portion where you have to unlock these um uh alien things but you 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 have to it's it's a mini game essentially but you have to know all of the uh symbols to do it and then essentially none of the symbols can line up in uh the same row or column or in the same little square so it's basically just sudoku with symbols yeah yeah i think i did a um a sudoku thing at one of our games but yeah i replaced the numbers with some sort of yeah I think like some sort of fake alphabet or something like that. Yeah, exactly. Yep. Yeah. You do want to be careful that uh, it's not something that's going to take your players an excessive amount of time with. Yeah. Um, it could be a good breakup, but you don't want it to bog it down. So really. Yeah. If you have a bunch of people that to your knowledge, don't have never played Sudoku, make sure it's a quote unquote, like low level or easy version of the, the game that yeah. you're going to like uh, steal or create. Uh, if it's, if you know for a fact that you have a couple people that play Sudoku, maybe go a little bit more towards the intermediate uh, intermediate level. But again, even if they do play, you don't want it to make it too difficult. You want them to be able to finish it. You know, they should be able to make progress steadily throughout the puzzle so that they're done in, you know, maybe 20 minutes tops, depending on right. how difficult you want it yeah, to you be. Yeah, you don't want it to take too long because then they can get frustrated. Yeah. I actually, like you mentioned something too when we brought up logic puzzles, uh, Jared, was uh, like a word jumble. Yeah, like sort a of. word scramble kind of thing. And right. I kind of compounded a little bit on that. I think it could be a fun little... Uh, um, like progression puzzle. Like as you're going through a dungeon, like there's like four or five maybe main rooms. And in each one of them has like uh, letters scrawled out on the wall. And no one really knows what they are. It doesn't seem to make sense. And then what it turns out is each one of them is uh, a word scramble. So you have to figure out what the actual word is. But then you get to the boss door and the only way to unlock the boss door is by spelling out a word, but it's none of those words. So now like like the the daily jumble in the news newspaper, you have to pick 
like you have to look through those words and maybe try to find the right letter. Or maybe there was like only one letter ever capitalized. So that's the hint. Or maybe mm-hmm. it's the first letter of each word It is going to make up a new word. So that's the hint. That could be an interesting puzzle to throw in there. I actually, I, I like the idea of. Are you going to steal that too? I might. Um, you, I, I don't mind. Of having it. Even if I don't get to play it. Having the words combine and then they give, they spell out a riddle that they, the players oh, yeah. need to answer. So this is what you need to do to unlock is to give the answer to the riddle. But in order to find out the riddle, you have to unscramble each of the words, which maybe have been on the walls as they went through the dungeon, like as they went through each room, like here's yeah. this. Yeah, here's that. it would be a long, uh, progressive, slowly unfolding puzzle. That would actually really be cool. Yeah. Yeah. And if you if you if you luck out, your players aren't even really going to they're going to kind of look at it and be like, nah, I don't know. You know, and then they're going to notice, oh, this keeps popping up. And then maybe they even make it to the door first. And they're like, we can't get through. Oh, we have there's those words maybe mean something or those symbols or whatever. You know, maybe it means something. You walk into the first room and there's a a T, an H, a W and an A on the wall. And you're like, oh, that's weird. And then you get to the next one and there's different letters and there's different letters. And then they find out like, oh, we need to go back to the beginning. Okay, T, W, a H. Oh, oh, that's what W H A T. There's the first word. And then they start picking up and they may even be able to get clues on what a later word is because they have the words that go to either side of it. They were able to figure out. Um, what do we got next? We also we were talking about traps, implementing traps with puzzles. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only as a failure for not completing it appropriately, but also just as part of, as part of the puzzle itself. Right. Um, so one of the traps that I did at uh, the Porkcon game was it was a, a, a water, uh, a water trap where the room was filling with water and they had to solve the puzzle uh, before it completely filled up or else say, you know, they might all drown. Um, trap kind of working as a timer there. Right. Or in, in a different game, maybe not only do they maybe drown, but like, there's a cage that opens up that all the water is coming through and you see a shark come through, you know, that'd be kind of neat. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, the, the trap as the puzzle, you think like Indiana Jones, you know, a lot of his, the, a lot of the things he had to figure out, they were kind of part puzzle, part trap. Yeah. I actually also sort of stole from his, um, uh, the one deal where he had to walk across and like spell out, uh, the from word last crusade from the last crusade where he had to spell out a word on the floor. I sort of did that. I took symbols and gave my, the name of God. Yeah. And I, and I gave the, uh, the players, you know, a combination at one point for the symbols and they had to cross that floor, um, using the right symbol. Once they got the combination, it was going to be easy. I just made them have roll basic checks. And if they, you know, got under the check, they took an arrow. If they got too far under it, they took a couple arrows, you know, that sort of thing. Uh, yeah. One of the things that I actually like about that trap in Indiana Jones specifically was the whole, like it was a riddle. And then there was like a slight twist on it too, with the whole, like, the name of God, Jehovah, but in Latin, Jehovah spelled with an I. Right. You know, so you could have something kind of like that where like maybe in your world, Elvin and human, uh, maybe their languages share the same alphabet and you need to spell out a word and you're like, oh, well, the, the, obviously the answer is this. So I just, you know, it's it's lizard, but 
you go, you step on L for lizard and, uh, oh wait, I fell through the, and like, oh wait, that I got to answer, you know, it in the elven word, which is spelled using the same alphabet, but I'm spelling a different word, you know, right. you know, version of this. It means the same thing, but it's technically a different word kind of deal. Something along those lines like that, you know, like just being tricky a little bit, but you know, not too tricky that you're completely outthinking your players, but just a little twist like that, make it a lot more fun. Or maybe you're, maybe it's a goblin trap. And even though it's spelled right, it's actually spelled Lizard. Because mm-hmm. you know goblins, yeah, bad spelling. It's just like a killer GM thing. Like, <laughs> like it's, it's you fall through the floor if you step on the wrong letter, but the the word is misspelled. And the <laughs> wrong letter isn't until like midway through the words. So you have no way to like grab to the edge and save yourself. <laughs> yeah, I didn't say it was friendly. I said it's well, a you trap. could intentionally put the quote unquote right letter for the misspelling right next to the wrong letter yeah. that they would intuitively step on. So that way they can make like a reflex check or, you know, an athletics check to then grab onto that instinctively. So a role is saving them or <laughs> no, Ed's going to let them fall into the lava. <laughs> no, what I would, I would give subtle it hints. Was spikes, not lava. I would give subtle hints. So like before that, like you would hear goblins say like, get the lizards or something like that. I mean, you hear just enough times that when the answer is someone figures out the answer is lizard. Oh, oh okay. Then maybe some, maybe someone goes, Wait, the goblins say it different. I don't know. Just ideas. This off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, and actually, the last one that we have here, just for from the ideas that we came up in the pre-show for for puzzles, is uh, is the gamer puzzle, mm-hmm. which is using a different game, similar to you know using like Sudoku or Word Scramble. Now you're actually using you know a a different game uh, like chess uh, or poker. Um, Three Dragon Ante. <laughs> Three Dragon Ancy is Wizards of the Coast official. Yeah, uh, it's designed game. to be both an in and out of game uh, device. I have another one. I can't remember the, the official name of it, but it's where you have like four colors in a row and they they guess and you tell them, you know, which ones were correct. How many where they have the correct color? Oh, the, the pirate cup thing. Is that what you're talking about? Because I've I've seen people use that to like the like they did it in Pirates of the Caribbean, the second one, but. The, Which I haven't seen. The, I think it's called like liars dice or something like that. Where like Liar, liars dice is different, but obviously dice games are there. Yeah, yeah. Um, I've always seen it referred to as like detective or Sherlock or something. Okay. Where, uh, I would. Yeah, I yeah. was thinking of the pirate, the, you, the liars dice. Like that's a good one too. You know what I mean? But it's like, oh, you you have. Uh, okay, so there's four. Okay, I'm gonna guess uh, red, blue, yellow, green. Okay, well you have two of those colors correct, and one of them is in the correct spot. So now I have to try something else to try to figure out mm-hmm. yeah, um, yeah. what the correct ones are. Yeah, there's a lot of different games you can use. I mean, pretty much any kind of like competitive game you could use as a device. Again, like yeah. you said, like poker, yeah. um, you know, Three Dragon Ante and a Liar's Dice. Uh, you could freaking do Yahtzee if you want to. I mean, we're going I to, wouldn't play 13 rounds of it or anything like <laughs> I was that. Gonna but, joke, like, we're going to we're going to determine the whether or not we can open this door. By playing a game of Axis and Allies. <laughs> right. Well, I mean, poker can be just as brutal. So, I mean, obviously, like certain games like Yahtzee or poker or anything or something, things like that, you're going to want to limit the number of rounds that are played, maybe even throw in some mechanics where like they can use some skill checks to, yeah. you know, to, to help them out in the game. Maybe uh, the, the chess or checkers board that they have to complete is like already half done. Yeah. You know, all kinds of pieces have already moved and done their thing. You uh, know, like for like the poker thing, it could be like, all right, I'm going to everyone make a roll and depending on how you roll, I'm going to give you a couple cards out of the deck 
or like you know say you like if you're playing like texas hold'em style where you get if two whole cards i'm going to give everyone one card so like okay you rolled really well you're getting an ace you rolled the second best you're getting a king and then you know and we kind of go through the line and then shuffle the deck and give everyone a random card in addition to that yeah. to kind of give them an edge based off of a roll you know uh, I mean? deadlands actually had uh because it's a wild west thing they would have certain situations where it's like okay everybody gets a card and then you make a check like oh you just barely uh met the dc then you get an extra two cards you failed you get one card oh you did awesome you get an extra three cards but then you're working with whatever your two best are yeah i was gonna say you can incorporate it so like rolls somehow get you a wild card or something like that you know what i mean like there's ways that you could alter the game so you're not just playing poker with your friends at the table but you're making it more of just a quick elaborate you know where rolls and or skill checks can make a difference or you could even do it where uh, you tally up how many cards are going to be dealt out and deal them all face up and do a sort of a draft system. So the person who got the highest roll gets to look at all the cards and be like, which one do I want to take? So that way they don't automatically get the ace or the king. You know, if they've got like a pair of queens, they might not need that ace. But if there's another queen down there, mm-hmm. you know, or if they can make a full house with like a five or something, yeah. they'll grab that. Um, um, we also in the pre-show... I brought up, you know, there's a possibility that you've got the player playing, you know, we use poker against the ancient spirit and all of the other players are making roles because really the test is, do your players pick up on the fact that the spirit is cheating and call him out on it? Right. Because the spirit will just be winning again and again and again, Mm -hmm. unless they can do that. And that's a little misdirection, a little GM sleight Mm -hmm. of hand. And a, a one really good reason to implement any of these games, they're not where well, they're not necessarily puzzles or anything. A good reason to implement these games. Maybe you know that you have a player in your group who likes a specific game. Maybe, you know, you have someone who's particularly good at poker or really likes, you know, uh, chess or something along those lines. So you say, you know what? I'm going to throw that in there and I'm going to sort of let that character or let that player have some fun with this and kind of shine a little bit just because it's, you know, something interesting. You go into a room, like you said, you go into a room, there's a a chess set, you know, some moves have already been made and like a spirit shows up and now someone has to sit down and beat the spirit at chess before you can go anywhere else, before you can exit. You don't see any other doors, you know, what do you do? Well, you got to play the game. Yeah, it might not be by definition a puzzle, but it's still an alternative challenge yeah. to like combat and stuff like that. You know, and of course, out of character, everyone can sort of look at the look at the board and say, maybe we make this move. This might be the best. You know, maybe some players will back off, say, hey, I don't know know it very well. Other players might look and say, hey, I think I think maybe this move might be best. You know. Yeah, I was gonna say that's another advantage to like the chess scenario is the fact that you have a. Um, not necessarily a hive mind, but a community of minds working yeah. together. Collaboration. Yeah, a lot of collaboration. So, you know, it's not, you know, maybe they're playing against the DM who is by themselves, you know, and they're going to maybe even give it their all, but it's still the one DM or GM versus, you know, the table of players. So, you know, you have, a, you know, a, a great many minds versus just the one. Right. So cool. you have a you have an advantage there in itself. And they run into that, that chess set in the Tomb of the Paladin, and they've find out that the goal is not to win, but the goal is to give a noble fight. It could be, yeah. Yeah, there's lots of ways to play. Uh, one of the things they, I think it's the, is it the Andro Sphinx is the good one? In the Monster's Manual, there's like one good Sphinx mm-hmm. that's like always like testing good players to, 
you know, uh, against secrets and stuff. Why not have that? Why not? They walk in, they see an Andrew Sphinx. They're level three. They're not ever going to kill it. He just wants to play a game with them. And he only cares that they actually try. Yeah. You know, yes, you can go check this out. After and he you beat me. May, and he may even, you know, I, I want you to try your best. And like, okay, you tried, you can go. But if they do really well, like, you tried, you can go. Let me give you a little bit of advice. And here's something to help you on your way. This was the most fun I've had in centuries. Or maybe playing him and trying gets them into the door of the dungeon they're trying to get to. But if they win, he has a secret stash that they also get. Yeah. So that way there is something for winning. But, you know, actually showing up and doing your thing still helps out. So we did also kind of come up to think it's a good time to talk about uh, player versus characters. Yes. So yeah. is a player confronting the puzzle or is the character confronting the puzzle? Yeah. And sometimes they're one and the same and sometimes they're not. Yeah. That's always a good mismatch. Obviously you don't want characters doing something that they couldn't do. So if you like your chess champion that you've set this up for is playing, you know, the ogre with the six intelligence, then it's not going to make a lot of sense for that character to be able to win at a chess game. But that doesn't mean the player can't have input and help out and that sort of thing. So, and I think that's sort of what puzzles are anyway. It's a way for you to sort of almost kind of break character. Like, oh, we have this puzzle. Let's think about what it is. And part of your thinking about the puzzle or playing the game or whatever it is, is you out of character doing it. But as a GM, I would suggest to you, you know, to your players is, you know, think about this. If you think you have the answer, uh, write it down just in case you do, don't or just in case you do and your character shouldn't know it. So that sort of thing. Um, and then, you know, on a on a good roll, you know, if they think they have it, say have them roll, you know, and maybe that ogre with the six intelligence with a minus two to his roll. Maybe he rolls an 18. It's OK, you figured it out. There you go. You know, now now I have, again, an idea for my game in which the players are presented with a riddle. But rather than giving the answer, write it down on a piece of paper Pass it over to me. It's not a case of, does somebody get the right answer? It's, dude, you get enough right right answers. Yes. And you can look at the answer and like, okay, three of you got it right. That's enough to proceed. Jerry, do you want me to just write your game for you? I could do that. No. Okay. I, I actually do action sequences <laughs> really well, um, but some of the puzzle stuff, I'm not necessarily so good at. You know, but I get the inspiration. Yeah, you know, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm right there with you. I don't do a lot of puzzles, but I think after my PortCon experience, because I, like again, Jared can attest to this. I was struggling the night before to try to figure out what I was going to do with my puzzle. But man, once I saw the reaction of those players, you know, and it, and I, I think I paced it right too. Part of puzzles is pacing. You want some action first. You want some role playing as well. And then you want to draw them into that puzzle, you know, um, you know, in some way, maybe it's part of the plot hook or something like the only way you can get the next piece of information, you know, or someone contacts you and says, I have information, but you have to do this first, you know? So they're testing you essentially to make sure you're worthy of getting the information, which is exactly what I did. Uh, but I, I, I do the same thing. I'm very action oriented and, and role playing oriented. I forget about puzzles sometimes, even traps sometimes. And I think that they're very handy. And I think that GMs don't use them as often as they should. And if they did, so, sorry, I, had, I looked right at Jared when I said that. I don't mean anything. I mean that it's it's just one of those things that if more people use them, 
you know, it, it could bring about a part of your game that maybe you weren't thinking, maybe you didn't know it was missing. And then all of a sudden, bam, you just had a great experience for the last half hour or so trying to solve a couple of puzzles and everyone's having fun with it. And you're like, man, why don't I do this more often? That was sort of my feeling at Pork Like, I got to do this every game now. Yeah, I agree. I don't think traps and puzzles and alternative challenges are used enough. Uh, I feel like that's something that like I can do okay, but I don't think I do enough of. I don't think that... Uh, I mean, a lot. It's just one of those. Like, I do them. You know what I mean? Like, I own. Yes. Pu- you know, I own puzzles. The last game. I mean, it's not on the internet yet, but the last game that we just played, I had puzzles, and honestly, one of them I came up with off the top of my head. So, like, I feel like I can do puzzles. I just don't feel like I incorporate them as often as I would like to. In retrospect, you know, combat is kind of like the default challenge that I go to, which I think is, you know, not uncommon. And, right. it's, and it's very common. Like, okay, I've done enough combat. I want to do a non-combat. You wind up doing an environmental encounter. It's, right. It's yeah. very often that if we're not fighting, then it's some sort of like skill check or, right. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, overcome skill challenges and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I think the spot, the, the area of my game that I would like to actively work on and improve um, puzzles and, and, and uh, challenges a little bit, but traps. I yeah. don't think I use nearly enough traps. I don't feel like as much as I've read up on traps and I know traps, I still don't feel like I know them so well that I just intuitively put them into yeah. my games. You know what I mean? It's not second nature to me. I And I, I, I agree with you there. I think that's sort of a lack. So kind of getting back to riddles, uh, another thing or that puzzles. we had brought up for, because we, we kind of left the road at player versus I, I think it was a tangent that needed to be tangented. We, we, we got out there. A Is that a word? Tangented? We're, uh, we're, we're kind of running, bumping up against the general time limit. Um, so uh, when we were doing, talking about ability scores, we were talking about letting players with good ability scores, like if the character is smarter than the player, then maybe the player gets to make a roll and get clues. Right. This is important in puzzles. You can implement that. Yeah. Because, you know, your you know, mega intelligent wizard shouldn't necessarily be stumped by a word scramble. Right. Just because the player doesn't do well when it comes to letters. Exactly. Sort of like the opposite of the, the, the chess master who's playing the ogre with the six intelligence. So maybe his character isn't going to figure it out because he's not really that smart. On the flip side, you could have, you know, the, you know, average intelligence character, you know, person who wants to play the wizard and they have an 18 intelligence sitting there. You know, certainly I'm still in the school of give them 10 minutes to figure it out anyway. And then that's when you roll, which I think we might have been touching on here in a minute anyway. But 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 you got to make sure that you implement roles in your puzzles because those characters who have the high intelligence or maybe the high wisdom should benefit from that. Other than just my spells are better. They should be able to get some sort of you know, benefit of, oh, okay, I have a high intelligence. I'm figuring out this word scramble right now because I know a lot of words. Giving the character the spotlight. Exactly. Yeah, I mean, there's, you can either give them some time and then let them make a roll, or you can just say, look, you're having 18 intelligence. You don't need to make a roll. Or, um, you know, just... That's true. You know, just yeah. give them a clue after 10 minutes. But the other thing you could do is, like, right off the bat, okay, I'm going to give you 10 minutes, and then I'm going to give you, like, you know, like, I'm going to almost tell you like I'm going to give you a really strong hint but maybe at the beginning of that 10 minute timer you give them like a really subtle hit on a piece of paper like 
you know, if the answer is, you know, elephant, you could be like, you know, what has a long memory? Here you go. You know, or like something along those lines. And maybe that's a little bit of a strong clue, but you know. seven blind men. Yeah, there you go. So just, you know, have on a piece of paper written, you know, hand off to the person that has, you know, the 18 plus crazy intelligence. Here's a hint that you can kind of use in conjunction with what's being presented to the entire table to give you a little bit of an edge to help you kind of figure out right off the bat. Um, you know, and then if they still don't get it after 10 minutes, here's another clue. I had my, here's a stronger clue. It's a freaking elephant. Okay. <laughs> I, I had my players, I had my players stuck on a riddle. And what I actually did, cause I saw that they were having issues getting through the puzzle was I, I, cause I use D20 pro and type the table. I typed up on my laptop, the relevant clues. And I just, I'm like, here are. And they they looked at it and they're like this this is the clues I was like no, these are the relevant clues these are things that you guys have already experienced that you are taking that you should be taking into account yeah which also helped them because they're like oh well we were thinking about X but X isn't on that list so maybe that's not something we need to be considering yeah yeah so it doesn't help. give them the answer but it also brought up like oh well somebody in the town said this right that's relevant to what's going on and that brings up a good point you know just like the you know average intelligence player might have a the character with an 18 uh, intelligence in the game these are all people playing characters in a in a fictional world right. so th- those characters might know a lot more about the world than the actual players do and a lot of times we do just for time constraints and to play the game, we tend to skip various time, you know, okay, you guys, you know, go to the bar and then you sleep and then you wake up the next day to go on your adventure. All right. Well, maybe you plan on role playing the bar out. Sometimes you don't. I know I don't always do it, but maybe they did hear over here something in the bar. Like you said, you know, they are player characters in the thing. Maybe the one of them has a background where they were a farmer. So, you know, an old farmer told him a tale one time, and that's why they remember a certain thing. You know, they are people who lived in this world. So that's that's part of the allowance you also want to make for the characters is because this is sort of world specific. Maybe you get a little bit of a better advantage as to why why you would know this. Mine, I also had to take into account the mechanics of the game and real life interaction because one of the clues was something that had been said to the players that morning, which was last session. And we were playing a monthly game. Yeah. That's, so yeah. the players heard this a month ago. Their, their characters heard it a few hours ago. Yep. Yeah. And the other thing to remember, which I believe Jerry said right at the beginning of the game, or the, the beginning of the episode was to not be married to an answer. Right. Yep. So that's extremely important to remember. So again, if maybe the answer is elephant and the you know the maybe the riddle's like this is just stupid to be generic, but like really big animal, like and you want them to say elephant, but they're like gorilla, and you're like, all right, good enough. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Ten minutes, all they come up with is gorilla, and it fits your other clues. Yeah. All right, sure, gorilla. yeah, like good enough, you know. Okay. Especially if like it's your if you um, and again big trying animal. to give players a spotlight. Say it's the eighteen intelligence, you know, character their their player instantly like all right, really large, really large animal gorilla. Well, obviously it's a gorilla. Like okay, yep, sure, fine, yep, it fits. Um, yep, big, that's the answer now. Big animal, flexible, tough hide, plant eater, valued for. The bones. Oh, it's a brontosaurus. Oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. Yeah, perfect. 
on. You got it. Nailed it. Um, so we are going to kind of wrap it up there. Um, we can probably be talking more about traps, about puzzles, um, but we are going to let you step away from what we've done and go implement it into your own games. What what time are we at? Like 40 minutes. Oh. More like 45, yeah. yeah. Okay. Um, so we're going to let you step out, implement it into your own games, get back to us, let us know what you've used, let us know what your favorite puzzle was, um, and Give us any sort of feedback and also let us know if there's anything specific you want us to talk about. You can look us up on Facebook available to like comment, subscribe. We are on Patreon, patreon.com slash game master studio. If you want to support us and get access to some exclusive content, we are on Twitter handle GMS studios. We just launched our brand new 360 VR game on YouTube. So definitely go check that out. See what it's like to be at the table with us gaming and see us implement some of our tips that we use and also fail to implement some of them from time to time. Um, and of course we are back here every week with new information new podcasts so definitely check us out follow along and we'll see you the next time we're in the studio